We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much for listening, for watching, for following, for subscribing. I appreciate y'all. I really do. Uh, today is Friday. Hopefully most of you are either watching or listening to this show on Friday. This specific episode we're going to call Fan Friday Cruise Edition because hopefully if all goes well, knock on wood here, I will be on day two of my cruise. First time in my life I've ever been on a cruise. My wife and I are going. This would be our second day here, Friday, out at sea. Uh, then we go to Mexico and spend Saturday there before another day out at sea on Sunday. Return to the port in Tampa, Florida on Monday. And then I'll be catching a flight back to Buffalo sometime uh, later Monday. Like I said, this is all a first for me. Um, I'm looking forward to to having some stories, I hope anyway, some fun stories from this cruise to be able to tell you on future episodes here of Talking Buffalo. Certainly at some points of the cruise, I'll have on some Buffalo Bills gear. Like I'm not that fanatical dude. I'm not, I'm not obsessed to the point of wearing Bills shit when I go out of town, that everywhere I go, every moment of every day, I'll be having some kind of Buffalo Bills stuff on. That's not going to happen. But I will from time to time, certainly be sporting some Buffalo Bills gear. And my goal is to run into strangers, whether it's on the cruise ship, whether it's somewhere in Mexico, wherever it may be, uh, finding some Buffalo Bills fans, maybe sitting down and, and sharing a couple stories with them, find out where they're from and their story and be able to relay some of that to you. I think it would be pretty cool to do uh, on this podcast. Um, I am taping this episode. I want to put this out here now so everybody knows what's going on. Taping this episode almost a full week before I uh, before this episode actually even drops. So if anything absolutely insane happens with the Buffalo Bills or the Buffalo Sabres or anything really at all, it's not being covered today on this podcast. This is our typical Fan Friday episode where 
you guys send in, whether it's from YouTube, email, uh, Twitter, Facebook, send in some questions and comments, and then I get to them and I answer them for you here on this show. Um, so, but if, like I said, won't be discussed if anything insane happens over the next week because I'm actually taping this almost a full week before it uh it drops. By this time, you know, next week I'll be back. I've done I think six episodes. I've recorded before leaving for this cruise to have in the can because a lot of people are, including my wife, are like, "What the hell are you doing, man? You're going on a vacation for like literally a full week. Why are you still podcasting or putting up podcasts?" And the quick answer is, I just I want to be consistent. You know, you you people who follow the show, who subscribe to the show, you have a routine. I have a routine in life. I know a lot of you do as well, whether it's in the gym, whether it's in the, the car ride to or from work, where, whether it's at the office, wherever it may be. If I'm blessed to have you watching and listening to this show as part of your daily, regular routine, I want to make sure that we have something out there for you um, each day. You know, I, I told my wife, I kind of liken it to lots of things in life. You know, if you are a big fan of a place to go eat and you go there and you eat all the time, it's your favorite food. You know, it's going to be there. It's your comfort food. You go wherever it is to go get your comfort food every day or handful of times per week. Then all of a sudden you start going there and it's not there. You know, it's closed for whatever reason, that place is closed, that deli, that restaurant, whatever it may be, it's closed. And then because you know, you still want that comfort food. You you go somewhere else and you're like, ooh, I like this food. Next thing you know, you're not going to that spot anymore. So I don't want people to, to go a full week, even if I'm on a vacation. I don't want to give people, you know, an opportunity to go a full week without hearing an episode because you might go run off and find something better, quite frankly. And then like, shit, man, I don't need to listen to Pat's dumbass. I don't need to watch Talking Buffalo anymore. I got something new. So I want to make sure, do my part here to, to make sure that that does not uh, happen. But in all seriousness, I, I think it's important to, to have consistency. If you say you're going to be a, a daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more, then you really should be. Especially, you know, emergencies come up. From time to time, there'll be a day or maybe two days where I can't do an episode. Either you get sick or, you know, you got some kind of family emergency. Shit happens. That's life. People don't understand that. But when you not know something ahead of time, like if you're planning out a vacation and you have an opportunity, especially when the Bills aren't playing, like the season's over now, you, you can you can plot out some episodes, do some interviews, do some stuff that's not really time dated so that you can still have content for uh, the people who enjoy the show. So that's why I'm still putting out an episode every day, even though I'm on vacation, because I know besides my wife, some people out there are probably wondering what the hell are you doing, man? That's my uh, my reasoning behind this. And then one last thing. No Sabres questions or stuff today because I like the Bills when the season's done right now. Uh, by the time from when I record this to you to when you're hearing it or watching it, the Sabres will have played games. And uh, I just, I would rather wait. I'll be back, like I said, at the early part of next week and then we'll start diving into the Sabres. And we'll start diving into Sabres a hell of a lot more because, like I said, not as much going on right now anyway uh, with the Buffalo Bills. Of course, that could change. And there was some news over this past week with the Bills, of course, retaining um, Joe Brady as offensive coordinator. Is it retaining? Removing the interim tag? Whatever you want to call it. They both had to agree. So they got Joe Brady locked up, and then they promoted Bobby Babbage to our defensive coordinator, a move that I've seen from fans, from media content creators that has been 
widely praised, including right here on this show. I think that was absolutely the right thing for Sean McDermott to do. So hats off to him. Anyway, don't want this to be long at all. Like I said, I just want to make sure I got a little something for you here on a fan Friday. So let's just get to uh, the questions. Handful of them, mostly actually some of these are statements, but I definitely think they're worth reading and I'll have a little bit of reaction to each of them. All right, let's get going. Brian P150H says, I agree on the bad luck regarding playoff matchups. The number two seed no longer getting a bye has been a detriment to the Bills' chances. They haven't been healthy. All right, this comment from Brian, I believe this was on YouTube, stems from an episode I had last week with Tone Pucks. And Tone brought up a point, and I thought a very valid point, that uh, the Buffalo Bills have gotten really good at a time where the NFL stopped having two teams get a bye each week. Now it's just the top seed. Until recently, it was the top two. And of course, with the Bills' injuries, that's went on to hurt the Buffalo Bills. So Tone was not necessarily using that as the excuse for some of the things that went wrong for Buffalo in the postseason. But he certainly brought it up, and it's a valid point. Um, the Bills not having a week off this year certainly hurt them for sure. Because for starters, if the two seed had a bye, that means they don't play in round one. And if they don't play Pittsburgh in round one, that means at the very least, Terrell Bernard doesn't get hurt because he got hurt in that game. And uh, that, that really hurt him. I still, I maintain this and I will continue to. I'll, I'll, I'll die by this sword here. I think the Buffalo Bills beat the Chiefs if Terrell Bernard plays that game. So I get it. You know, the year before too, the Bills were running on fumes. By the end of the season, with DeMar Hamlin almost dying on the field, all the, the emotion that came from that, uh, the weather, having to, to move games around, the Bills, sure, could they have used that week off? Agree. Yeah, absolutely. But this is where I kind of push back a little bit. Let's be careful here in the excuse department, especially when it comes to injuries, because I got some news for you folks. Their opponents in the last couple of years have not been healthy at all either. Uh, you, you go back, let's start with this season. You know, before you even get to the Chiefs, they played Pittsburgh in the first round. And sure, you know, you don't have Rasul Douglas and uh, Christian Benford gets hurt. Lots of players. Taylor Rapp, Gabe Davis. I get it. A pretty extensive list. And none of those guys played against the Chiefs either. But you know what? You played a Pittsburgh Steelers team without TJ Watt. I mean, that should be the end of that conversation right there. Who would you rather be missing? The guys from the Bills are good players. Or if you're Pittsburgh, T.J. Watt, who's more valuable? I mean, come on. T.J. Watt is arguably the best player defensively in the NFL. He had 19 sacks last year. So he was out for Pittsburgh. So right there, that's squashed. Then you get to the Chiefs game. And again, lots of key injuries for the Bills. Jarrell Bernard out. Gabe Davis out. Taylor Rapp out. Those certainly did not help this cause. Rasul Douglas playing hurt. Tyrell Dodson playing hurt. Linebacker, the position so decimated that freaking A.J. Klein was your starter. Much to the dismay of many people, including me. So I get that. Well, let's look at the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs did not have their best run-stuffing defensive tackle. Um, Kadarius Toney did not play. 
And you can make fun of him all you want. He's still a threat. You know, the, the Kansas City Chiefs probably don't win a Super Bowl last year were it not for Kadarius Tony's play. So for all the mistakes he can make, he's still a weapon out there and he did not play. Willie Gay, a good linebacker, playing hurt on their safety. Edwards, they got hurt on what, the first or second snap of the game. Missed the rest of the game. So you can't use that excuse for injuries, man, because the Chiefs were just as hurt. You go back the year before. Yeah, Daquan Jones did not play against the Bengals, and that that hurt. Like that's what, again, you played a Cincinnati Bengals team that was missing not one, not two, three starters on the offensive line, and they were missing a starting defensive back. And the game was in Orchard Park. So I agree about bad luck with injuries for the Bills. I agree that having the number two seed in, in an era now where you still have to play, that sucks. But just be careful when it comes to making excuses because it's not like the, the unhealthy Bills played a bunch of healthy teams and fell short. Uh, at Josh Allen is the next John Elway. He says, I just think so much was unlucky because of Trey and Vaughn getting hurt in 21 through 23. It's just absolutely brutal bad luck. The plan was to unleash Vaughn Miller in this great pass rush and all pro Trey on the back end with Elam as this co-number one man corner. I understand that plan, but they all got hurt. Adding Elam's injury and his development has been slowed. It's just terrible, terrible luck. Again, good points. And those are two major injuries to two literally all pro caliber players back to back years back to back the exact time too they're brutal significant injuries um you know you mentioned matt milano who tore his uh acl and, and messed up his leg this year too but just sticking with those two guys sure you know trey tears his his acl on thanksgiving against the saints one year later vaughn miller Tears his ACL on Thanksgiving against the Detroit Lions. And in the case of Vaughn Miller, we want to run him out the door right now, and I get it. The amount of money he's making, his age, and the allegations off-field, I get all that. But let's not forget, you know, before you go destroying Brandon Bean for that signing, you gave the guy big money because he's a fourth-quarter finisher, a guy who's going to bring Patrick Mahomes down in the in the fourth quarter. That those first eight games of last year, 2022, I should say, Vaughn Miller was living up to it. He had eight sacks. So yeah, the injuries suck. I agree with at least half of this statement, by the way, because Kyrie Lum, yeah, he got hurt a little bit this year, but it's you know, his development has been slow. I don't know that injuries really have anything to do with his development. I mean, he's been nicked up, but I can't sit here and tell you if Kyrie Lam was 100% healthy that he'd be much better than where he's at right now. And on this football team, when you have a healthy roster, if you count Trey White, Kyrie Lam is at best, he's your fourth boundary corner, fifth overall. I mean, he's clearly behind a, a healthy Trey White. He's clearly behind Rasul Douglas. And he's clearly behind... Christian Benford, who was picked in the sixth round. You know, that's kind of why I don't get too mad right now about Kyrie Elam likely looking like a, a first-round bust 
Don't get me wrong. It sucks. I still hate it, especially when Trent McDuffie goes one pick before him and you start thinking about guys the Bills could have took a state of Kyrie Elam. I get it. But you got a first-round bust in, in Kyrie Elam in the making anyway, at least at this point. But in that same draft, you got a six-round steal in Christian Benford. You know, everybody wants to talk about is Trey coming back next year? Trey White, Rasul Douglas. Uh, first of all, I'm not sure Trey White's coming back. If he is, I'm not sure it's going to be with the Bills. My money right now, my gut, I have no inside information, but my gut, if I had to make a wager, I think Trey White's probably played his last snap with the Bills. Rasul Douglas coming back is a lock. And quite frankly, two major injuries over the course of three years, and who knows when he'll be 100% if he ever gets to 100% again. We don't know what's going on with Trey. But regardless, Christian Benford balled this year. He's a legit starting corner on a cheap-ass rookie contract for the next two years. So where's the room for Trey White? This is the part I don't understand. I hear some people talking about moving Trey White to safety. That's not happening. You're going to be an overpriced, um, overpriced safety who hasn't proven anything at that position. We don't even know if he can play that position, and we don't know if he's going to be healthy. I think it's time, and it's sad and it's unfortunate, and it's the business, the cruel part of the National Football League, but I think Trey White is done, at least in Buffalo. Maybe if you know if the cap situation was different, maybe if you could get him on a, a, a one-year restructure or something like five, or caught him, bring him back, a year, five to six million with a bunch of incentives or something like that, maybe. But who's he going to start over? Is he going to start over Christian Benford? I don't think so. I really don't think so. Anyway, I'll take a quick break. Come back, got some more uh, questions and statements uh, from, from the fans. Here we go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I am back here on this cruise edition of Fan Friday. You know, right before the break, too, I was talking about Trey White. I just want to say I'm rooting for Trey White. I like Trey White. I love Trey White as a person. Great human being. And it was devastating to watch him go down this season against Miami. Not just because of how he was playing, which was fantastic. By the way, he was healthy this summer. He looked freaking great at training camp. Every time I went to camp, I was locked in on how Trey White was looking. And he was looking phenomenal. And I thought he played great the first month of the season. 
had an interception, looked really good against Miami, literally all the way to the play that he got hurt on. So he was playing great, and that sucks. And it also sucks because he's a quality human being. Buffalo Bills love him. The players love him. The organization loves him. The media loves him. Content creators love him, and the fans love him. Well, I'm rooting for Trey White. I'm rooting for Trey White. I'm just trying to be realistic here. If you got Rasul Douglas back at $9.5 million, assuming he doesn't get a new deal, and you got a cheap, solid CB2 in Christian Benford, and we talked about Kyrie Elam before the break. I don't think much of him, but he could be your, your backup. He could be your new Dane Jackson, or maybe Dane Jackson comes back cheap. I just don't see uh, a realistic, likely scenario where Trey White is back for the Buffalo Bills. I, I just don't. All right, let's move on here. At Jason underscore M says, I agree with Pat. This was not an enjoyable season. All right, before I get to the rest of his point here, I just want to let you know, in case you haven't been watching the last couple episodes or whatever, I've said a few times on this show, to Tone Pox, solo shows, other guests, that I just found this season of Buffalo Bills football probably the least enjoyable of any under the Josh Allen regime. Not because his team was any worse than those teams, not because the outcome of the season was any different, just because of the grind. It just, the grind and the fact that I just thought this season was there for the taking. I, I felt to some extent it was almost handed to him on a platter. Just a lot of angst and anxiety for me personally throughout this season. And I just didn't enjoy this season of Buffalo Bills football like I had in the past. And I've said this a few times. Anyway, with that said, let me go back to uh, what Jason was saying. The only point at which I really enjoyed myself was after the last week of the season when we beat Miami to steal a division from them and then realized we were getting Pittsburgh in the first round. Other than that, the season was not fun at all. I am happy with the steps the team took to promote the young talent within. I am still confident in our future and will be as much a believer next season as I was last season. Good points. I, you know, I, I actually agree with that. I would also add weeks two through four, I enjoyed a lot. You know, the season started with that ugly ass loss on the road to the Jets. Pissed me off, pissed a lot of you off immediately. I mean, Leonard Floyd knocks Aaron Rodgers out of the game. Didn't know at the time he was going to be out for the whole season. But you get their starting quarterback out, a brand new quarterback, four plays into the game. Zach Wilson's bummy ass comes into the game. And the Bills just played awful on offense. And in specifically, Josh Allen might have been the worst football player on the field that night. And it's not often you say that. You could count on less than one hand the amount of times in Josh's career, even his rookie season, when he was all over the goddamn place, where Josh Allen was the worst player on the field. But he was on opening day. Anyway, that game, to lose in overtime, the punt return in overtime, it just fucking sucked, man. It was a terrible way to start the season. You start to get worried, but then you got the Raiders, your home opener, and the excitement's back. The Bills look great. They go on the road to Washington. They look dominant. They beat them on the road. And then the big game, the big test. Miami comes to Buffalo week four, best game of the year. The Bills look amazing on both sides of the football. That was a great stretch. Weeks two through four were also a great stretch. So I'll throw that in there. I agree with Jason. 
uh, the last two games, or actually the last game against Miami, going on the road, beating them the winning division for a four straight time. That was fun. And so was drawing Pittsburgh in the first round. Look, everybody wanted that. And it worked out too for the Bills. It couldn't have worked out any better. You go from maybe not making the playoffs or being a six or seven seed to winning your division, getting the two seed and playing the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round. By far the least dangerous opponent that you could possibly draw without TJ Watt. So that was enjoyable as well. But like I said, all in all, it just felt like too much of a grind. Like it wasn't enjoyable. The Buffalo Bills of the last couple of years, a lot of their victories, they just rolled, man. They, it was, they've been the kind of team that like when they play a team that they're better than, they just put the foot on the gas. They embarrass you. They step on your grave. They flex on you. They're fun to watch, man. They are. But this year wasn't really like that. A lot of ugly ass games. They play down to their competition so much. Even in games they won. That Giants game, they win 14-9. That shit was ugly as hell. That Tampa game on Thursday night, shit was ugly as hell. And they should have lost that game. The Denver loss, ridiculously inexcusable. You lose to fucking Matt Jones and New England Patriots on the road. Inexcusable, not fun. Philly game was fun until they blew it and lost at the end. And the way they lost it and the way the coach, coach scared that game. Turn things around after that. More on that in a second. But just, I don't know. It was just a grind. And if you would have said in September, the Bills are going to win the division, the Bills are going to be the two seed, and they're going to face the Kansas City Chiefs in Buffalo in round two of the playoffs, I would have been like, let's go, baby. Sign me up. That shit's going to be fun. And that's where they got to. It just wasn't as fun for me. Now, maybe it was for you, but for me, it just wasn't that much fun. Um, Let's continue here. At Sean Brennan says, the argument that Tyler makes. All right, I got two here about Tyler Dunn. Last week, I'm trying to think of dates here. I got to make sure I'm careful with this. It would have been eight or nine days ago when you're hearing this show. It's kind of fresh in my mind because I just actually put the episode out with him as I'm recording this a handful of days ago. But by the time you're hearing this episode here today, it'll have been well over a week. Anyway, the argument that Tyler makes, most of the people who don't like it, didn't read it, is a cheap cop-out. I did read every word. I did pay the eight bucks to do so, and I didn't like it. So to try and brush off anyone's opinion who didn't like it as you didn't read it is incredibly arrogant. We don't have to like everything you write or share your opinion. <sighs> See, this is why I get so bothered with today's society. And look, I want to say this. I don't know who at Sean Brennan is. I appreciate the comment. I appreciate you watching the show, and I appreciate you taking your time to chime in with what you have to say. Uh, that's not me being facetious at all. I truly, legitimately, genuinely mean it. Thank you very much, Sean. But this is where I have a problem with social media so much because bits and pieces of truth are in what you say, but there's other things, whether sometimes it's an honest mistake and you're just being inaccurate, or sometimes you're just flat out lying and fabricating truths. Because when people do that, other people see that. And when other people see it, they spread it more and more. And that's how big, fat internet lies end up happening. And again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Sean. Maybe he just interpreted this the wrong way, or maybe he has an error in how he's wording this. But he says, so to try and brush off anyone's opinion who didn't like it as you didn't read it is incredibly arrogant. See, that's not true. It's just not. 
Tyler did say most of the people who say they didn't like it, who were being the loudest, who were saying the nastiest things like Ty's fake website, Ty fake sources, hit piece. Uh, I keep going on. Living mom's basement, this and that. Can't get a real job, a hack, all that shit. Most of those people didn't read it. And I think a lot of them would admit that they didn't read it. But Ty went out of his way, literally, because I sat there and had at least one or two points of uh, during our conversation of his series. And I said, I didn't agree with that. I would have did differently. Told him right to his face. I didn't think it was smart to, to preface your story by saying the Bills didn't grant you credentials because it could come off as you looking petty. It could come off as you looking like you do have an axe to grind with some people out there, many people out there have accused him of. I said, I wouldn't have did that. I didn't think it was necessary. He explained why he thought it was, and that's fine. But my point is, he doesn't have a problem with people who criticize what his work is. If you read it, a lot of people didn't read it. The people who were the loudest and the nastiest didn't read it. There are definitely some people, apparently Sean Brennan, uh, 6223, who did did pay to read it or have, you know, subscribed to him before that or whatever, and they didn't like it. That's okay. Journalism is subjective. Music, art, podcasts, everything. Everything like that is subjective, right, buddy? So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is so many people said a lot of nasty shit who didn't read it. And Tyler very vividly said he's okay with the criticism if you read it. If you read it, you can draw your own conclusions. So anyway, Sean's making it sound like Tyler just said that anybody who said that the article sucked didn't read it. And that's not true. That's actually not what Tyler said. Uh, let, let me move on here. Cindy Lou says, I know that Tyler Dunn has his career and is making a living. He has talent as a storyteller and writer, and he knows that juicy stuff sells. It's understandable that he is doing his thing. His sources seem a bit outdated, more in the Whaley time frame. I'm sure. They were not happy with how things went down when they left. Pat is a great interviewer. Well, thank you, Cindy Lou. It sounds like McDermott had some growing pains as a new head coach. It is incredibly pressure-filled. He's improved as he learns and grows. I think the way players rallied around McDermott after this article dropped shows support for their coach. They won out, troubled, divided teams don't rally and went out. I personally think it seemed like McDermott relaxed after the situation and seemed less uptight. McDermott got the support of the Bills building and the players and sort of let his hair down and breathe a sigh of relief. The reference in 9-11 was petty and unnecessary. It also sounds like a one-off terrible mistake that he had already apologized to the team for. We all know that it was a bad look and terrible thing to reference and good for McDermott to apologize and admit that he was wrong and he was way off base with that. McDermott is a good man and a hard worker. No one is perfect, but I believe McDermott is learning from all of this and it is helping him relax and improve. He is a relatively young head coach and his two key assistant coaches stayed with him this offseason and took promotions to OC and DC. That says something too. Bills have to add a few high-level clutch offensive playmakers and heal up the defense. They will get over the hump. Thank you, Sandy Lou. That's, that's, a, that's a lot. A lot to unpack. Great statement. Um, I appreciate all that. I'm, I'm looking through that here. You're right about, you know, you, you, again, going back to Tyler. And it's like, why are we spending so much time talking about a sports journalist? Well, because 
the story that he wrote directly, in my opinion, his opinion, and a lot of people's opinions directly affected the Buffalo Bills. Literally, it affected their season. And in a good way. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that's what Tyler's goal was. I hardly doubt it. But it did. This team did rally around it. So it is, it's newsworthy is what I'm trying to tell you here. Uh, you are right. Tyler is a talented storyteller. Um, and he, I'm sure he knows that juicy stuff sells. He's not stupid. Look, he's running a business. Substack, that's what it is. It's a business. You know, I, I Steve Tasker accused him of putting stuff out to make a profit. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Of course he is. That's what he does, literally. And I got news for you, by the way. Athletic, the Buffalo News, Sports Illustrated, which is already going down, Bleacher Report, all these places. You're going to see more and more, as time goes on, independent authors who have been part of major media outlets who are really good, really talented, who have a good following. You're going to start to see more and more of them do what Tyler does. Be your own boss. Make your own hours. Create your own content. And build up a, a base that respects your work enough that they're going to pay to follow. It's just the way of the world. Getting free shit all over, whether it's sports journalism, regular journalism, cable TV, streaming, all this shit. We all know where this is going. So, yeah, does you know, it's kind of like tabloids, sex sells, I guess. I guess writing juicy stories like this, I'm sure business-wise, Tyler wasn't naive to that at all, man. Um, you're talking about the Whaley time frame. I, I don't agree with that, but I would say it's, it's a fair point. I really liked Sidney Lou's points on Sean McDermott. I think to some extent he's learned. You know, this is a process. He is still a relatively young coach. Although he's been the coach of the Buffalo Bills since 2017. So it's not like his second or third year. Um, I'll push back with Cindy Lou a little bit on the 9-11 comments from what Tyler reported, from what Tyler said on the show, from what Tyler's told me off camera without naming specific players. There are a lot of players who were genuinely upset when that 9-11 speech happened. Like somebody, I don't know if he said the name or not, so I'm not going to say it because I'm not sure. But someone had to go get Sean and bring him back out to address the team after. So he, and he made a mistake. I don't know. Sean McDermott's a good guy. I, I believe he's a good guy. I really do. And I think he's, I think this has changed him a little bit. I think he was much more aggressive down the stretch. I think he was much more aggressive in the playoffs, maybe to a fault against the Chiefs. But if you're going to, if you're going to rip a guy for being too conservative, coaching scared, coaching like a little bitch that, and I'm using a direct quote from what somebody said on the last show that Sean McDermott is scared and coaches like a little bitch in the playoffs. Well, they lost against the Chiefs again, but one because Sean McDermott got scared and coached like a little bitch. I actually thought Sean McDermott coached with the exception of not finding a way to get AJ Klein off that goddamn field sooner. With the exception of that, I got no issues with what Sean McDermott did um, against the Kansas City Chiefs or any game after the Philly game. So I, I know that article had something to do with it. I would feel confident being objective and unbiased, a little bit more confident about Sean McDermott, maybe say than I would have been a year ago where the Bills came out just dead and gassed against the Bengals in a divisional round and just looked like they were almost disinterested. They just had nothing left. So good stuff from Cindy Lou. Uh, let, let's get uh, going here. We're going to wrap up. Buffalo Alex won. Josh needs to work on accuracy and it'll be that much better. Watching Jim Kelly footage after so long, man. He was throwing dimes to all of his receivers. All right, real quick. When you watch, good point. 
when you watch Jim Kelly or any quarterback with highlights, of course, they're going to throw dimes. They're going to look good. For people who are old enough to remember, first of all, that you're even comparing Josh Allen to a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback says a lot about how great Josh Allen is, of course. But with all respect to Jim Kelly, and again, I'm old enough that I remember very well the K-Gun offense and those days of the Buffalo Bills in that offense. Fun as shit. At times looked unstoppable. Like, again, a lot of fun to watch. But man, oh man, there were a lot of games where Jim Kelly played like shit. And for three quarters, Jim Kelly looked like one of the worst players on the field. He looked like Josh Allen against the Jets week one of this season. And then when you needed that drive, you needed two or three throws to put a game away for to, to come back in the fourth quarter with a touchdown to take the lead, to seal the game, whatever it may be. That's what Jimmy delivered. Jim Kelly delivered in the clutch for a long time. But he went through some stretches where he looked like shit. Like he threw some ugly interceptions. Jim Kelly used to throw in a triple coverage all the damn time, man. All the damn time. But he was a winner. He, he, he knew how to pull games out. So, again, great comparison. In terms of Josh needing to work on his accuracy, look, he's had some ugly interceptions. Don't take a, a film guy to see that. And that's something he needs to get better at. But all in all, I don't think his accuracy is an issue at all. In fact, he's one of the, I know he's among the top quarterbacks in the NFL when it comes to, to completion percentage. So thanks for the, thanks for the comment, Buffalo Alex. Uh, proximate lumber. Who are you pulling for in the Super Bowl? Honest to God, truly. I don't give a shit. I really don't. I would say I'm rooting for the 49ers. And I am rooting for the 49ers, I guess, a little bit. But it's not because I'm a Bills fan and I hate the Chiefs and I'm jealous of the Chiefs and I'm jealous of Pat Mahomes and Taylor Swift's annoying and Travis Kelsey talks shit and he owns the Buffalo Bills and all that other shit. Nah, I just like the 49ers, man. Growing up as a kid, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Roger Craig, those 49er teams were so much fun to watch. And I just always thought they had some of the smoothest uniforms. And every single year, for many years, Chris Berman would always predict Bills 49ers Super Bowl. So it turns out, even in 2023, Buffalo Bills were fucking that up. <laughs> Didn't happen. But I, again, I don't really care. I'm rooting for the 49ers, but probably not for the same reasons that I would surmise a lot of Buffalo Bills fans right now are. Uh, are pulling for at Suki handle 16. Who are, who is your favorite former Buffalo bills? Actually it says, who are your favorite former Buffalo bills? Um, I'm a big Daryl Talley guy. I always respected Daryl Talley. I always thought he was one of the most underrated players in the entire NFL. When he played, he was uh gutsy, a warrior, a leader underappreciated around the league, but loved. And I mean, beloved in Buffalo, by teammates, by uh, the organization, by Bills Mafia. Well, they weren't Bills Mafia. And then back in those days, it was just plain old Bills fans, right? But everybody loved Daryl, and so did I. And I remember having a blog back in like 2009 and 2010, something like that. And I had a great interview with him, man. One of the first NFL players to, to do a one-on-one -on -one interview with me for the blog. And it really helped me, man. So anyway. Big Daryl Talley guy. Um, I've met Stevie Johnson a couple times. I've had him on this show twice. 
Uh, one of them we did live last year at Imperial Pizza. Thought it was really cool, but I don't know, maybe a little bit of recency bias going on right now. But if I had to say who my former favorite Buffalo Bill is, again, with a little bit of recency bias, implies he's my boy. I love Eric Wood. I really do. Eric Wood is genuine as can be. There is no fakeness to him whatsoever. And whether it's football players, hockey, other sports, I pretty much have known football and hockey players through doing stuff with uh, the media. Somebody would just be so disingenuous, so pretentious. Like, they'll be really cool if the tape recorder's in their face, if the camera's rolling, and the second that shit gets turned off, you start to see who they really are. But that is certainly not Eric Wood, man. This dude has been cool as hell. He's been on the show with me many times. I've done live shows with him. I did a live show with him just recently with Sal Capacho and Imperial. I've done a live show with Eric at uh, at Sunny Reds in Lackawanna because he's got a wing there <laughs> named after him. I remember doing a show with him not long after he retired before he started it, just as he was starting his venture working for the Buffalo Bills. Um, Just a genuinely nice guy. You know, I remember... A, a football player that I knew in Florida in high school got in trouble over some bullshit. And I was trying to get some players, some NFL players, some people with some power with, with following to, to put out some stuff to help me spread some awareness about what was going on. I don't want to get into that story. It'll take too long. Anyway, no questions asked, man. Eric helped me out there, helped get the word out about that guy. So he's one of the coolest dudes I've ever met. Really down to earth. Help pound the living hell out of some beers. Like if you do a 42-minute podcast and you got a bucket with six, whatever kind of beer you have in that bucket, and Eric's there, it's just going to be gone <laughs> before the podcast is over. Promise you that. Really cool dude. And I know some people might get on him a little bit because he's um overly friendly with the football team, too complimentary. Well, guess what, man? You work for WGR. You, you, you're, you're the voice of the Bills. You're, you're doing the games for the Bills. What do you expect him to be, man? Seriously, that that I hate that. You can you can blame out other media, but if you're bitching about Chris Brown or Eric Wood or Sal Capaccio that they're not critical enough of the team, well, duh, of course they're not. Anyway, Eric Wood's my answer. Good question. Um, Def Leppards, who's been the toughest person to interview on this podcast? Real quick here, because some of you, most of you, won't even know this who this person is, but. I went through a, a phase on this podcast where I was really working on getting people and nothing to do with Buffalo sports or the media. And I'm a big fan of reality TV shows, especially The Voice and American Idol. Had a couple contestants, finalists on. Um, I don't remember what season it was, but Matthew Schuler was on The Voice. He was a finalist one year. One of my favorite singers I've ever heard on any reality TV show ever. So reached out to him, got him on the podcast. But once he was on, Again, he's not a sports dude. I don't know him, just a fan of his. And I was trying to, you know, ask him questions about all the process of the voice and all the rehearsals and all the stuff, trying to get like a really good peek behind the curtain. But the dude, for as talented as he is, amazing as an artist, he just wasn't in the mood to talk too much. So I wasn't really getting anything out of him. And like I said, not being able to fall back on sports and stuff like that just wasn't a, uh, it was a, it was not a good interview. Very tough to do, which is funny because complete opposite American Idol finalist. I think it was season four. Elliot Yamin, he finished in the top three that year. I had him on the show. We went for almost 90 minutes and he was really insightful. Whether it was about his singing and also talking a lot about sports, um, big sports guy. So 
he was the opposite. But anyway, yeah, I'd probably say as much as I love Matthew Schuler, and I still love listening to, you know, I go back on watch uh, YouTube videos of him singing on The Voice. Just absolutely crushing. By the way, go on YouTube or whatever. Look up Matthew Schuler. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. One of the best performances of that song you'll ever hear. He also did Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus and just crushed it all. But anyway, not a great podcast interview for Talking Buffalo. Uh, two questions here left, I should say. Tim, your favorite to win Oscar for Best Picture? I, I don't know because I've only seen Barbie's the only Oscar nominated movie I've seen to this point. Is that like Deanna March or something like that? The Oscars? I have in recent years found a way to watch most, if not all of them. And then I kind of have not a podcast episode, but I'll put up a blog or whatever my thoughts on Best Picture. Hopefully I'll get to some of them. But right now at this point, the only one I've seen is Barbie. So I have no, uh, you know, no, no standard to judge that movie against any other ones. I did enjoy Barbie, but I hope if I get to watch more of them, that I'll find one that I enjoy more than that one. Uh, last one here at Chris one forty two ten. It's crazy how I live a few blocks from nine eleven and never ate there. I forget it's even there until I hear someone bring it up. Uh, your boy is referring to nine eleven tavern, and yes. That is absolutely crazy to live just a few blocks from there and never go there. Um, quick reminder, I say this anytime I bring up 9-11 because they are number one on my wing ranking spot. They've been there number one every single time I've done it, except for once. I had Elmo's once, and now I have Elmo's at two, 9-11 once. Um, I got to make sure I say this right. Everything about 9-11 Tavern you're not going to enjoy until the food comes out. Okay. You go there. It is a very small bar or small restaurant. They only got maybe seven, eight tables in the back. Cannot call ahead to make reservations. Not a lot of bar room. If you got to go pee, they got one of the smallest bathrooms you'll ever see in your life. If you only have a debit card, you are screwed because it is cash only. You'll have to go across the street to 7-Eleven, use your ATM and pray that the ATM is not out of order because when I went to 9-11, I met up with Jerry Ostrowski, a former Buffalo Bills with Buffalo Rumleys now, Joe Miller, Sarah Larson, handful of other Bills fans. We all met up and we got wings in 9-11. No tables were to be had. We actually got lucky. We sat at the bar. But anyway, few people didn't know any better, did not have any cash on them. They went to try to go to 9-11 or uh, 7-11 across the street. ATM was broke. So they had to borrow some money. Like those. Some people are paying people cash and they had to Venmo them so they can eat. Anyway, my point is all that shit sucks. But once the food comes out, there's nothing better. And I mean nothing in terms of wings, not even just wings. Their French fries are as good as anywhere that you'll have in Western New York. So if you go to 9-11, by the way, Chris, I can't believe you haven't went there. I think you're absolutely nuts to live that close and not go there. But the fries are nothing to mess with. And the wings, by the way, it's either medium or hot. That's it. No barbecue, no tangy honey mustard, no lemon pepper, blah, 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 blah. Straight the freak up, hot, medium, and that's it. Cash only, but you will not have a better traditional chicken wing in Western New York. I promise you that. Anyway, all right, that is going to do this. I am completely losing my voice. Again, thank you so much, man. I hopefully... Some of these questions or, or statements brought up some good talking points. If you got any questions, because I am pretty much doing this show 
every Friday, at least for the interim. At some point, we might change some things around, but for now, I'm going to be doing this every Friday, a Fan Friday episode. If you're watching, if you're listening, and you got a question, you got a statement, and you want to be featured on next week's show, just drop it, man. Go on the YouTube page, Talking Buffalo YouTube page. Uh, go to the video, leave a comment, and uh, I'll get it on next week's show. Or you can tweet at me, at Patrick Moran TV, email, Talking Buffalo Podcast at gmail.com, any of those, and I'll get on the show. Thank you very much. Hopefully, everything goes well here on this cruise that I'm at, and I'll be back with you brand new episodes next week. Have a good weekend, guys.